When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galina. And with me, as always, my buddy, Scott Chu. Hey, Joe, how's it going, man? I'm, it's, it's been such a weird day because <clears throat> I was just telling you, I actually had a whole night where I was the only person in this house. Uh, Beautiful. My wife, wife and the twins were off at grandma's son. Uh, my older son was at a sleepover. I had no idea what to do with myself. I'm like, that's the thing. I didn't do anything. Like there was that's no, the best, <laughs> that's the best was, thing to do is nothing yeah. sometimes. Oh yeah. And it was weird because like, I sort of woke up this morning and I was like, I didn't do anything. And I was like, did I waste it? No, no. I used it just right. That's exactly what I was supposed to do. <laughs> yes. Sometimes you just need to recharge the batteries and I think you uh, did the right thing. So apologize if my voice is a little raspy. Uh, we were at a graduation party last night and, uh, the, uh, the graduation uh, p- party turned into like a little karaoke thing. So we were singing, Hey Jude, and you know how Hey Jude ends, right? With all that crazy screaming. So I uh, got involved in that, and that's why I'm a little hoarse today, but I uh, apologize. So, uh, how's everything else going? It's a big week for your Tigers, right? Tariq Skubal and uh, Eduardo Rodriguez coming back this week. Oh, I've, I've and you been know waiting what? for it. They're so close. That division in the AL Central is so bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's so bad. It's, yeah, and what are they? Uh, the they're back. What? Uh, they're within striking distance. They're only five yeah, games. They out. have like thirty. They have like thirty-four <laughs> wins, and they're in striking distance. That tells five you a lot. Games out. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a horrible division, but that means everyone's in it, right? So yeah. the Tigers are not the most talented team, but uh, you don't have to be, right? I mean, you have to. You're like eventually you feel like the Guardians should take it over. They have probably the best player in the division and Jose Ramirez. They have right. uh I mean they have the best pitching. Uh they mm-hmm. have they have all those things. And yet and yet they can't. They can't seem to pull away. Um yeah. it's sort of like, you know, in in the NFL, there's always that one division that sends like an eight and eight team to the playoffs or worse. Right. Like somebody sent it. That's mm-hmm. that's the AL Central. I mean, that's just what's going to happen. Uh, the, the Guardians can be a little scary come playoff time because of the starting pitching depth. They have a really, really good closer. Uh, and oh, you yeah, don't need a, to have yeah. a yeah, you don't need a great offense to win in the playoffs. You just need I mean, you just need to score one more than the other guys. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and when you're when you're managing it so carefully, you know, that one run makes a big difference and they can squeak out runs. They've got guys who can steal all these kinds of things an experienced manager. But uh, until then, right. Like being able to score does matter. And nobody in this division does that very well. Right. Right. Uh, you kind of feel bad for the Royals who are 17 and a half games out. <laughs> but uh, other than that, like you said, everyone else, uh, the White Sox, just six and a half games out. Tigers, five games out. Guardians, a game out. And the twins, 
at 42 and 42 in first place. But And also, uh, good point on the Guardians, man. They really know how to develop starting pitching. Yeah, I mean, again, not doing them a ton of good uh, mm-hmm. in terms of winning games, yeah. uh, which it should be, right? Because, again, they have they have the best closer in the division. They mm-hmm. have most of the best starters in the division. They have the best third baseman. I mean, probably the best hitter in the division. You could argue between oh, yeah. Jose Ramirez and and right now, Lewis Robert. But mm-hmm. Lewis Robert is also a, a young hitter. He's already approaching like more games than he's ever played in a single season in the pros. Mm-hmm. Uh and that means he's played half a season. That's about yep. all he's ever given us. Uh, so it's it's kind of, you know, you, you the Guardians should be dominating this division. The the Twins aren't really better at the Guardians at doing anything mm-hmm. right now. Um, but here they are, it, you know, when like leading the division and have been ahead of the Guardians almost the entire time. It, it, it's yeah, bizarre. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and since we're talking about the twins, I'll, I'll say, and just like that, Jose Miranda is back in the big leagues, uh, playing third base, batting seventh today. By the way, we're recording this on Sunday, July 2nd. And unfortunately for the twins, Royce Lewis uh, went to the IL um, with uh, an oblique injury, which yeah, they're very tricky. So you never know how long you know he might be out. But uh, remember, we had at least I did. I had big hopes for Jose Miranda after his 2022 season. He had 15 home runs, 66 RBI uh, with a 268 average last season. Thought that he could build upon that, but uh, unfortunately in 35 games batted 220 with just three home runs, but uh, he's back in the bigs and uh, I'll just, you know, one other thing about Lewis, man, uh, not much fanfare for him but basically he was getting the job done 326 354 474 slug in his 26 games so far this season four home runs 15 rbi uh the uh expected batting average 247 he's not walking enough and striking out a little bit too much so maybe uh maybe uh you know he might uh tail off a little bit but for now getting the job done yeah, you know, starting with with Royce Lewis, he had really turned things on over the last uh, week and a half or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, since June twentieth, he was hitting three ninety five. The strikeout rate was down. Still wasn't walking much, and and you could probably argue that a lot of his results were maybe a bit luck driven. Mm. Uh, simply, you know, just by looking at some of the basic indicators, but. Uh, he, he's a player who's always been exciting in terms of like, he's got power, he's got speed. The hit tool isn't great, but he's been injured so much. I mean, this guy's been in the league uh, since 2017. He was drafted as an 18 year old. And uh, I mean, he was the first overall pick in that draft. And it's just, I mean, he's never, he's never really played like full seasons, right? 2018, right. 2019, he plays mostly full, uh, minor league seasons but 2020 he i mean he was in the complex league the whole time uh and i think was dealing with injuries 2021 he doesn't play at all Mm -hmm. right uh 2022 he plays a grand total of 46 games right Mm -hmm. uh and then you know this season he's only played let's see between the majors and minors he's played 36 games out of what like 81 Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're and at he's the hurt again. Point. Yep. Yeah, and yeah. he's hurt again. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that is just killer for Royce Lewis. Uh, you, you hate to see, you know, the type of injury that can nag as well. Yes. Um, you know, I think a dynasty, someone needs to be rostering him somewhere, even if the projected outcomes aren't nearly what they were two or three seasons ago. Mm-hmm. But 
I mean, this is still a guy who I think could hit for a decent average and who's got pop and speed. But for this season, if you've got a limited IL, like only two spots or something like that, uh, there's a pretty good chance you've got better guys on your IL and can't really afford to keep Royce Lewis around. I think yeah, he's going to get, you know, if, if you can hold him because you've got deep ILs or something, that's great. But mm-hmm. if you've got pressure, he's probably the guy you're letting go unless you yeah. have, you know, some other random player on the IL. Tough to judge with an uh, oblique strain. Could be out a couple of weeks, could be out a couple of months. You know, uh, they're just so tricky to to figure out. Yeah, and, and you know, injured players can just be, especially these, like, core injuries. For example, you know, Seiya Suzuki started the season with uh, a core injury. Mm-hmm. He's back, but he hasn't quite been what we've wanted. He's shown little flashes here and there. Bryce Harper, it wasn't a core injury, but he had Tommy John surgery, and he's been able to play. He came back way earlier than we expected, but the power hasn't quite been what we're looking for. It's mm-hmm. really tough with some of these injuries because it's not just about when a player comes back. It's when can a player come back and perform? We saw the same thing last season with like Max Muncy. We also right. came back from a Tommy John surgery, came back early, but never like he didn't find the power to the last two or three months of the season. So uh, it's it's again, it's more than just if they they might give him a return date. But is that the return date? You know, that's the return date like on the field. That's not necessarily the return date you're looking for for your fantasy roster. Right, right. Yep. Uh, any interest in uh, Miranda at this point or just a wait and see approach? You know, the, the twins for the, the twins don't have like a lot of star power on this team, right? Like I guess Byron Buxton, but he hasn't been exactly what you're looking for. I think that Miranda is probably going to be the everyday third baseman. Mm-hmm. I, would, uh, it, I would guess so. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, he's, I don't think he's going to be a platoon either. Right. I, I wondered if, like Donovan Solano and and Edward, you know, Edward Julian and all this stuff. But none of these guys have really worked out the way the twins have hoped. So, uh, you know, Miranda, he's, he's fine, right? Like mm-hmm. he's, he's a guy, he should be, you know, the player that he probably reminds me the most in terms of like stat production would be like a tie France, a guy who has a maybe like 20 home run ish power, and mm-hmm. could pile up counting stats by making a lot of contact. Not a great OBP, but could have a good batting average. But that's it, it's a low ceiling, high floor kind of profile for Jose Miranda. And the problem is, is that the ceiling, you know, hasn't really changed, but the floor has looked a whole, you know, has gotten a whole lot worse, knowing right. that they could just kick him back down to the minors, not really care. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I mean, this team does have like other injuries that are allowing him to kind of stay in. You know, he's only up because Royce Lewis isn't there to play third base. Uh, and because Jorge Polanco, Lord knows when he's coming back, he's not around to play in the middle infield to move some of these other guys to third base. So it's he, it, in a very deep league, I might look at making the ad because playing time matters, but in 12 mm-hmm. teamers now nah, he'll probably sit on the wire unless he does something exciting. Right. Right. Okay. Um, so like I said, we're recording this on June 2nd of uh, Independence Day weekend. And uh, I thought I'd just give you a, a question in terms of uh, since it's, uh, you know, July 4th weekend, uh, any player or players that uh, you're personally declaring your independence from there, Scott? Yeah, so I'm in a couple 12-team leagues with only three outfielders. And the guy that I am just sick of rostering is, you know, even though he's got like sort of a hit streak kind of going on, man, am I sick of Giancarlo Stanton. Stanton has oh, been, yeah. I mean, he has just been awful 
Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I mean, he was fine before he went on the IL, right? Uh, since he's come back, and that was at the beginning of the June, he has all of three home runs, right? Like three. That is not, I mean, Giancarlo Stanton, this is a guy who, if on your roster in a three outfield league, you're holding him, he's got a 45 WRC plus uh, since he came back from the IL. 11 hits, that's it. Uh, two doubles, three home runs, and a bunch of singles. He's striking out nearly 30% of the time, though he didn't mm-hmm. strike out in either of the last two games. That's nice, right? Now, hey. granted, uh, you know, one of those games is against Oakland's pitching staff who couldn't strike you out if they wanted to. Uh, <laughs> he, again, he's hitting 151, slugging 301. I mean, this is, it's it's awful. Yeah. I mean, he's he's been, at, you know, objectively terrible and he's batting in the middle of the Yankees lineup right now, as you know, well, yeah. better yeah, as you know, as yeah. well as anyone else, that doesn't really matter right now. That's not a mm-hmm. good thing. This offense mm-hmm. is not scoring, right? Like Aaron, this, you know, I was, I used to be salty about Aaron judge winning yeah. the MVP last season, just because Shohei Otani is Shohei Otani. Right. But now I just see like this whole freaking offense is just, you know, like, everybody worrying about judge and not caring about everyone else, which gives everyone else a chance to hit. These guys are, they just don't score. They, mm-hmm. they don't get, they don't get on base. They can't do anything. They strike out too much. So like him, he's a third, you know, John Carlos Stanton's 33 years old. He's a massive mm-hmm. injury risk. He's not performing. And even if he does perform, like it's going to be hard to get RBI. This guy has eight RBI in June, <laughs> eight, right? He's been batting second, like basically second, third, fourth, like the entire month. 21 games. He has eight RBI. Welcome eight. to my nightmare. Yeah. I mean, you know, I watch Yankee games every day and the poor guy looks totally lost at the plate, you know, and, and also you take a look, you know, he, he, in the past when he's gone through these, he's very, very streaky, but in the past, at least he's gotten on base taking walks. But if you look at his uh, walk rate this season, I think it's just under 6%, which is way down from what it usually is the guy just like i said he just looks awful looks lost at the plate um the 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 thing is and uh, you know a lot of fantasy managers don't have the the patience for it or can't afford to have this slot on their uh, roster taken but this guy could take the team and put it on his back for a month he's that he's got that type of power and but just so darn streaky it's 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 sad <laughs> yeah and i mean like what, what so three outfield leagues are becoming the norm in terms of like a lot of the the new default settings in espn yahoo they're three outfield leagues mm-hmm. you just don't have to be that patient right, right? like right. again if you've got a deep il like he ends up being less of a drag because mm-hmm. when he does go on the aisle you can put him on there but like the last I mean, really his last 144 games. So almost, well, for him, that's more than a full season, right? But 110 games last year, he hit 31 home runs, only hit 211. And at some point, you just stop being able to just say like, yeah, but he's got power. But now Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, he's got power, but he's costing you when he's not good. He's costing you in every category, right? And when he is good, he's still hurting you in the ratios, right? Like, I don't know what... I've not dug deep enough to find out what started happening in 2020. Uh, sorry, 2022. Like the strikeouts went up a little bit. The walk rate went down a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, well, 2021, that started happening too. But in 2021, he was still a good player. Now, mm-hmm. now it's like, now he's a lot more Joey Gallo. Right? Oh, he's, per, you read my mind. I was going to say that. <laughs> he's, a, he's Yeah. 
He's, he's yes. become a big right-handed Joey Gallo, mm-hmm. uh, except Joey Gallo like always walks and Stanton right. isn't doing that either. So like imagine right. Joey Gallo, but doesn't walk. And at right? least Joey Gallo, <laughs> you know, for, in real life baseball, he plays a good defense. <laughs> you know, John Carlos Stanton, you hardly ever, ever plays the field. And uh, if you ever watch him run down, you know, run the bases, it's scary. The guy can't run. He's just he's gotten, I guess, so huge and so injury prone that if he goes full out running the bases, he's going to come up with a hamstring or a calf injury or something. It's 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 really uh, sad to watch. But uh, you read my mind with the Joey Gallo comment. Yeah. Man. And so, you know, when you're when you're looking at a player like Giancarlo Stanton and he's on your bench and you're like, when you know, when am I going to see the upside? You got to keep in mind, like what that upside is, because I don't think that upside is the one that we saw in like 2021, right? 2018, 2019, right? Mm -hmm. We're looking a lot more at the guy who never plays, right? Like do, do, does he play a hundred games this year? Uh, probably not, but, uh, you know, I, mean, I guess it, we'll have to see. He'd have I mean, to play pretty he's much. He's probably got at game. least one more IL stint in him before the season's over. Let's face it. Yeah. I mean, he needs to basically play every doing... game from here to the end of the season to get to a hundred yeah. games. And they rest um, him too. It's not yeah. like, you know, you know, they rest him every few games and, um, and he's hitting a home run about every, if you take the, I mean, if you include how he was hot in the beginning of the year, He's hitting a home run about every five games, right? He's got seven home runs, 34 games. So like that probably sounds better than it is uh, because it's, it's just not that great, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it comes out to like something pretty good if he played a whole season, but right now he hits one home run every five games and he plays, you know, 80 more games. Like you're still kind of being like, well, where's the rest? Like where, where? if he keeps that pace, yeah, I get that. But, you know, I, I get a decent number of home runs and power is harder to find right now uh, compared to maybe how it used to be. Uh, and power is hard to find compared now to things like speed. Speed's mm-hmm. almost easier to find on your wire yeah. right now. Guys mm-hmm. who slap the ball and might steal some bases, whereas like the true power hitters are just hard to find. But like, even if he gives you a home run every five games, and even if he plays the rest of the season, he's also just a drag everywhere. This is supposed to be a plus RBI guy too, but you're not mm-hmm. going to be that on this Yankees team. So all of a sudden, th- this concept of, you know, if I'm holding John Carlos Stanton, what am I holding it for? What's what's the you know what's at what is the light at the end of the tunnel? And unfortunately, it just doesn't look that bright right now. Right, right. Like the light at the end of the tunnel is a guy who is still probably back. You know barely a third outfielder right Mm -hmm. even with all the power so you're in a three outfield league you've got this guy you're holding him hoping that he's a decent third outfielder i mean those there's guys like that on the wire Mm -hmm. i I mean i'm i'm ready to move on if there's something good on the wire we'll probably talk more later in this episode about guys who are out there that might be exciting like i'm not just saying cut him that's the other thing i should probably say is when i say i'm cutting a guy i'm declaring my independence like it's still very it's still very much a, a matter of also who am I doing it for, mm-hmm. right? A, a good example would be, oh, yeah. you know, TJ Friedel has been hot and mm-hmm. I, have, I have nothing against TJ Friedel, right? TJ Friedel is a guy who every time he's in the lineup for the Reds, batting at the top of the order, he's an outfielder. He, he produces, but he's hurt all the time, right? I mean, TJ Friedel has, doesn't play in a lot of games. He's not someone with huge upside either. So like, am I making that move? Am I making Giancarlo Stanton for TJ Friedel? Like that's pretty borderline because that's kind of a side grade, 
right? Because mm. I'm kind of taking on one injury risk with power to take on another injury risk that's more of like an all-around contributor. Like, okay. Let me tell you something else about Friedel, too, is right now he's the hot, you know, wave of wire pickup. Everyone wants him. You take a look at, and I know you wanted to talk about expected stats, but you, you look, you know, when I looked, he was batting 313, expecting batting average 247. 486 slug, expected slug 315. 373 Woba, expected Woba 287. So we're looking at Friedel maybe being, you know, kind of a streamer, maybe a, a, a stopgap uh, replacement for Stanton, somebody that you're going to be have to replace down the line again. Yeah. And so what I want to talk about with expected stats, I'm glad you brought mm-hmm. them up, is that there's. I've talked before about how at PitcherList we have uh, expected stats on the site that are different Mm -hmm. than the ones that you see on uh, on Baseball Savant. On Baseball Savant, you see, yeah. So it's it's really interesting. And what the the two strategies aren't bad, right? Uh, Neither one is wrong, right? Baseball Savant doesn't do it wrong. PitcherList adds batted ball direction, and what that does is makes them meaningfully more descriptive, right? And to me, the best use of expected stats is to describe what we should have expected up to now, right? It is not for, you know, it's very limited in its ability to tell us what we should expect going forward. Right. Yeah, I mean, so we had this really talk predictive, right? Right. Um, mm-hmm. the, if you're a big nerd and like our values and stuff, I'm not a huge one, but I sort of understand them. Basically the predictiveness, the best one, actually, uh, the stuff on Savant is more predictive because it uses fewer variables, which means there's less potential things sort of skewing up your data. Uh, if you do that, it's our values, like sort of in the mid fifties, which is like not super predictive. Right. Um, but when you want to look at the D like, but on the descriptive side, right. The, the, the R values like go way up, right. Like talking mm-hmm. about what's, what, what has happened. They're both in like the, the point eights, right? Like that's really good. They're very, Statcast is much better at telling us about what did happen than predicting the future because all kinds of things that we can't measure can change the future, but we're able to measure a lot of things that already happened, which makes sense if you think about it. So, uh, TJ Friedel is a guy who, despite the fact that he has, he's really, really pull heavy, right? Usually if someone's really, really pull heavy, the baseball savant numbers will underestimate what it is they're able to do, right? Mm -hmm. Because it'll think like, well, you know, a fly ball is a fly ball is a fly ball. When we know that a pulled fly ball has way more value than a fly ball, uh, the opposite way. And especially than a fly ball up the middle, right? Because fly balls to center field are almost always outs. Mm-hmm. Fly balls that are pulled almost always home, home runs. runs and fly balls mm-hmm. the opposite way. They have to go like the same distance, but players just generally don't hit them as hard going the other way, right? The mm-hmm. power all comes to the pull field. So TJ Friedel, who pulls the ball 48% of the time this season and in his career pulls the ball like 50% of the time, you would think, oh, Statcast is going, you know, uh, Savant is going to underestimate, right? The number you gave in the 230s for expected average. Actually, Friedel has another problem, right? Uh, And it's something that's really sort of just happening this season, not so much in years past. TJ Friedel hits everything on the freaking ground. Mm. So that's obviously that's problematic, right? So he's basically, he's trying to get to first base and where's he hitting the ball as a lefty? He's pulling a bunch of ground balls. He's hitting them right to the first baseman, right? The ball's getting to the base before he does. He's just happening to find the hole right now. Uh, 
which, you know, maybe you could, you, you could start arguing like, Oh yeah, well it's the shift. But like, this is usually a guy who hits fly balls. He's hitting a bunch of ground balls to the pole field for him, which is just not something that you can expect to be great going forward. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, the stack has, what stack has is able to do for us is be very descriptive about what's happened and what's happened. Isn't nearly like what should have happened, what we expect to happen based on the velocity, the direction, everything of the balls he's hitting pitcher lists expected average for him is two eighteen, hmm. right? Two eighteen. That average comes way. It comes down another, like, you know, 15, 20 points from the one on Savant, which was in the two thirties because a bunch of those ground balls are being pulled. So like mm-hmm. a ground, like ground balls, like up the middle can tend to squeeze through a little better than a ground ball. That's uh that's pulled. Mm-hmm. So like we're at <laughs> pitchless is actually almost penalizing that way in terms of expected average. Cause we're like, you're pulling a bunch of ground balls, dude. Like that's a really hard way to get on base. It's mm-hmm. working so far, but it it's not, it's not something that like you really expect. He's going to need to hit the ball in the air more to succeed. Right. Again, mm-hmm. The expected average, that 218 for TJ Friedel, that's not what I expect going forward because I don't expect him to pull to pull ground balls quite this often, right? He's hitting ground balls about 10% more often than he did in each of the last two seasons, mm-hmm. right? So that is not something I do expect, right? I, I don't think that's what he's going to do. So I wouldn't use StatCast to try to project what he's going to do going forward because it's saying it's doing a good job of telling me what already happened. But I also know that his ground ball rates way out of whack. It's the Mm. same kind of conversation we had last week about Patrick Bailey, right? Expected stats are telling you that Patrick Bailey's hitting the ball really, really well because he is. And he's Mm. also hitting like 12% more line drives than I expect him to hit for the rest of the season. And line drives are almost always hits. So that's going to change. That's why StatCast uh, and expected stats aren't able to tell me a good job of what's going to happen because they're not projecting what his line drive rate will be, right? Mm-hmm. They're not projecting what his ground ball rate will be. They're just right. telling me what has happened. Again, there is predictive value, but that predictive value goes out the window if the batted ball profile looks way out of whack, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you think there's a real change and that it's something they're going to continue. I talked about Isak Paredes because he's really started the pulling of the ball the last two seasons. And just knowing how good his hit tool is, I think Isak Paredes can continue to pull fly balls. That mm-hmm. means I think he can outperform uh, what, his, you know, I can, he will continue to outperform his expected batting average and expected slugging. But uh, like in this case with TJ Friedel, I don't expect him to continue to outperform because the batted ball profile tells me that, Ooh, yeah, he's hitting a lot of ground balls, right? The only way he gets better is by improving the batted ball profile. Otherwise he will start getting closer and closer to this expected average of 218. So mm-hmm. I know the start it is John Carlos Stanton, uh, yeah. but you know, so when I'm, if I'm looking to drop John Carlos Stanton, I, I'm not just taking the next hot, the hot thing out the wire. I do want it to have a little bit of substance and I'm not sure TJ Friedel has that. Mm-hmm. I'm interested. I think we should take a quick break here. Uh, one of the guys that I'm looking to declare my independence for, I don't even know why I still roster him, but is is Tim Anderson. And while the, we're on our break, I want you to take a look at the uh, pitcher list numbers because you talk about a guy that's hitting the ball on the ground a lot. It's Tim Anderson. But we'll, we'll talk about him right after this. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. 
Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galina. I'm here with my buddy, Scott Chu. And we were talking about the differences in stat casts, expected stats, and pitcher lists, expected stats. And before we took our quick break, uh, I brought up Tim Anderson as a guy, you know, that I wanted to declare my independence from this uh, July 4th weekend. Scott had already talked about Giancarlo Stanton, and he had talked also about uh, TJ Friedel and the fact that he hits a lot of ground balls and, and uh, talked about the effect on his uh, expected stats and whatnot. But what what'd you find about uh, Tim Anderson, uh, Scott? Yeah, so first thing, let's be clear, he's not on the hitter list right now. Um, if you go to Which his pitcher amazing, list page, right? <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll see a rank. Uh, I didn't actually I just now realize that it's it's showing ranks after 150 on the player pages. I didn't know that. Um, it's like ranked 166, but really, like I wouldn't put stock in that number. Either you're in the 150 or you aren't. He is on the right. taxi squad. Mm-hmm. So uh I mean the drop-off has been so, so intense. Zero uh, home he, runs. Zero. That's, that's the thing. (laughs) Howard was down last season, right? Um, Tim Anderson hasn't played more like he hasn't played 125 games in the majors since 2018. He's gotten to 123 twice, but he hasn't played 125. Uh, he's probably, I mean, he's probably not going to get there this year. He'd have to play again. If he plays every game from now to the rest of the season, he gets to about 140. Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not looking good. The stolen bases are down, right? I right. mean, this was a guy who should be able to challenge 20 stolen bases. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe Especially he, in this climate. Yeah, like maybe he could if he plays every single game for the rest of the season, but we're not seeing a spike there. Uh, he's not striking out more. He's just making a ton of really, really, really weak contact, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's what happens when you're slugging. His slugging is worse than his OBP, but like, let's be clear, his OBP is 267. And his slug is 263, Mm. right? Like now expected batting average uh, from pitcher list is 251 Mm -hmm. instead of his 226. And that's great. It is. But like, I also don't care because the expected slug is 313. What am I supposed to do with that? Mm. Tim Anderson has basically become a guy who used to be able to drive the ball a little bit, uh, maybe hit some doubles for you. uh, And and again, clear the fences at times. At this point, he hits... I mean, everything on the ground. This guy has a 13.64%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like he's hitting fly balls less than 15% of the time, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and it doesn't really like at that point, push, pull, none of that matters because he doesn't hit any fly balls. They don't, it doesn't, doesn't do anything. Right. So like, has he been unlucky? Like eh, a little, 
right? A, a really cool stat we actually show you on Pitcher List, which you can actually calculate for yourself using regular StatCast data too if you wanted, but we, we actually show expected BABIP, right? So BABIP by itself is kind of a, I call it like a naked stat because uh, you could use it to gauge luck, and we did for a long time. The problem is it doesn't actually, t- like if the batted balls have all been line drives, their BABIP is going to be really high because it should be, right? Because line drives drop for hits all the time. Mm-hmm. So he's been unlucky with BABIP by like 20 points, like 20 points of BABIP, which does turn into roughly 20 points of batting average. And if you look at his batting average of 226, our expected batting average of 251, you're like, okay, yeah, that makes some sense. Mm-hmm. But like, and and then what, right? So so he's been unlucky. So he can be a bad fantasy contributor who's not hurting batting average. Whereas mm-hmm. right now he's a bad fantasy contributor and he hurts batting average. Right. right? So like, yes, Joe, declare your independence. Get out of here. Yes. Get, get yes. out of this. There's there's nothing here for you. There, yeah. There's no like do could Tim Anderson somehow turn it back on and be the guy he's been in years past? Sure. But there is no indicator of that. Nothing. Right. He he can run about as well as he did in years past. Well, last season, right? Mm-hmm. But like that's it. That's all he's yeah. doing. He's he's slower. He's not hitting the ball as hard. He's hitting yeah. the ball on the ground even more than before. And he was already an extreme ground ball hitter. He still doesn't walk. Right. There, there's just and this offense isn't good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I said, sixty-three point seven percent ground ball rate. Guy that you used to depend on for fifteen homers, twenty steals, and a very good batting average. Uh, but yeah, uh, in the games you know, that he played. Yeah. 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 And that's what. Yeah. I guess the uh, injuries have taken their toll because he, he's only thirty years old. So, uh, but yeah, uh, that's it. Uh, he's gone. Uh, <laughs> so. Um, Let's talk about a couple other uh, players and we could compare expected stats and whatnot. And then I want to talk about some specific players off of your hitter list. But um, a guy that caught my eye based on his expected numbers. Now, these are stat casts and you could, you know, obviously let me know what the hitter list uh, expected stats say. But Ryan Mountcastle, first baseman for the Orioles, who is currently on the I.L., was put on the IL due to vertigo, but currently on a rehab assignment, so hopefully he'll be back soon. And in his first 60 games, 11 home runs, 39 RBI, 227 batting average. Um, StatCast thinks that his 421 slug, uh, his expected slug, is 529 compared to the actual 421. And his 227 batting average... uh, they compare it to the expected 264 batting average and his WOBA, which is 292, his expected WOBA is 351. So, I mean, the power was still there. He basically he was still on a basically a 25 plus home run pace before he went down with his injury. But, uh, you know, what is the uh, pitcher list expected sla- uh, stat uh, model say about him? Most of the projection models like him rest of the season. I mean, I don't know. Uh, if you do or not. Yeah, I do. So right now I rank him like around hitter 100. I do want to see what he looks like when he comes back. I think that there's definitely power upside. The pitcher list expected stats. Again, stat cast being a little better. Uh, sorry, not, I shouldn't say stat cast. We're both using the same stat cast data. Right. We're just applying the data differently. So on Baseball Savant, 
those numbers are a little rosier. Part of that is because Ryan Mountcastle thus far has hit a ton of balls up the middle and he's not pulling them as much. It's actually harder for right-hander right-handed hitters to pull home runs in Camden yards now than it was like two seasons ago based on changes that they made. But you know, with, with Mountcastle, uh, I, I do think I, I like, I mean, both of them are good, right? Like the, Pitcher list is saying 251 batting average, 490 expected mm-hmm. slug. Uh, so again, it takes a little off the top on both those numbers because of all those balls hit to the middle, which, you know, but again, they're more likely to be outs, especially fly balls, which he hits a, a fair number of. Uh, so, you know, do I, you know, I don't know if I like him quite as much as the expected stats do mm-hmm. rest of season, but I think that those are attainable goals, right? Like that's, those are very much in line with the numbers we saw from him last season. Right. Uh, even mm-hmm. though he was, you know, he was a bit of a disappointment last season, but he was also fairly unlucky. Uh, it, and it's kind of in line with what we saw in 2021. Granted, some of those extra home runs come from uh, Camden Yards being a very good place for right handers with power. And mm-hmm. now it's a bit of a tougher place. Although if you've got enough power, you can still clear that wall. Just ask Anthony Santander. But oh, yeah. uh, Ryan Mountcastle mm-hmm. still looks like a similar hitter to the guy he's been in each of the last two seasons. He's just been unluckier this season. I mean, I guess he was walking a little less, but I do expect him to get back to like a league average walk rate, which is about what he's been uh, for his career anyway. So yeah, I I like Ryan Mountcastle. I think that if managers have cut him because you have tight ILs, I think this would be about the time to go pick him up. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think that he's even a buy low who knows, right? Yeah. yeah. This offense is, is not too bad. Uh, The, the pitching you know, they do face tough pitching a lot uh, in their own division, but like really only from one and a half teams, right? The Yankees have some good pitching uh, and then Domingo Herman randomly being good uh, right. from time to time. But, you know, and the Rays, of course, are they're a tough. They, they can be a tough pitching team. Uh, it's not they're not as invincible as the record might show. Uh, but like this, because for them, the sum of the uh, the whole is greater than the sum of their parts. Because like they still have starters like Yanni Chirinos who can get blown up and things like that. So uh, Ryan Mountcastle, a player who, again, I think he will show more power. He had been slumping before he kind of went on the IL in terms of power. I think he's going to get some of that back. Uh, I think, you know, he is healthy. He did. He does have the ability, I think, still to hit, you know, 25 to 30 home runs in a full season. Obviously, he's not going to quite have that this season, Mm -hmm. but. I do think he at least should meet the 22 home runs he hit last season. I think there's still plenty of RBI to be had mm-hmm. uh, in an offense that, that that's pretty good, right? Yeah. You know, Cedric Mullins hasn't quite bounced back. He was on fire before he went on the IL. He hasn't been quite as good now, but all the pieces are there. Ryan Mountcastle, a player who I think... Was, uh, killing the ball recently, right? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> he's a player I think that you should be definitely looking at it can be hard to trade for players who are just coming off the IL because that manager is going to say like, why don't I just wait to see if he's good. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's usually like easier in theory to trade for those players. And it is in reality. That's actually when right. you find a lot of the trade offers come is like right when, right before they come back, you didn't see Tarek Skubal trades in uh, early May. Right. Mm-hmm. You see him now because he, he's finally almost back. So w- when the value was probably in early May, but you didn't want to because of the extra risk. I mean, that's kind of how it trades off. So he is a player I'd be looking at. He's a player who, again, Ryan Mountcastle has power. He's a guy who can go on a tear and you shouldn't be as both 
baseball savant and pitch list will tell you, you shouldn't be too scared off by those, uh, by the actual batting average and slug because mm-hmm. under the hood, it has been better. Right. Right. Let's talk about one other, uh, hitter, uh, that plays for a, a, a tough, uh, tough offense. He's basically one of the stars of, of the offense, in my opinion, but, uh, so far has had a, a little rough start to the season, but Kieber Ruiz, uh, the catcher for the Washington Nationals, really good contact skills. If you if you look at his, his stats, doesn't walk a ton, but uh, his eight point one strikeout rate is down from eleven and a half last season. So he makes good contact, good minor league pedigree, three hundred one, three fifty six, four fifty three minor league triple slash. Uh, I believe he was like a one of the top uh, prospects in the Dodger system, right? Within the trades uh, that they made. For Trey Turner and Scherzer, I think he came over. Um, just flashed some power in the minors as well. Started to develop a little of that power in the big leagues too. Nine home runs in his first 68 games. And uh, since since we're talking expected stats, I'll just say 233 batting average, 288 expected batting average. Uh, slug of 376, expected slug 477. And Woba, if two ninety two expected Woba, three fifty three for Kiebert Ruiz. Yeah, and pitcher list stack has number. Uh, the pitcher list expected stats are are pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ruiz doesn't have well in years past. He's pulled the ball a lot more, uh, but he's not doing that this season. Uh, it's a very standard sort of pulled center oppo kind of distribution. Uh, he he does hit a lot of line drives. You know, I talk about it's hard for players to hit twenty five percent line drives uh mm-hmm. and definitely 30 percent keeper ruiz is actually the type of player who can do that uh because he's a slap hitter right i mean he is he's very much like if louisa i mean louisa i i overuse the Luis arias thing <laughs> all the time so I'll, I'll use another name like a david fletcher right mm-hmm. i mean he's a guy he's just trying to slap the ball he's hitting more home runs uh than he has obviously in his previous seasons uh Ruiz, I mean, part of that is just like maturing at the big leagues. We talk about how hard it is for catchers to be rookies, right? Uh, especially sure. like he's on a bad team. He really does want, you know, obviously he does want to hit. He does not miss when he swings mm-hmm. uh, and he does swing, you know, a fair amount of the time, right? So he actually, he's in the top 10% of the league when it comes to his swinging strike rate. It's down at 6.8% right now. I mean, it's, it's quite good, right? The, it's about, it's almost half the league average uh, in terms of when he swings, does he miss? So, I mean, again, he's very good at, you know, kind of swinging and hitting, right? It's, mm-hmm. but he's not going to be like a, a an approach guy, right. right? Like a lot of our skills metrics are just not going to be big fans of Kiebert Ruiz because he's not trying to wait for the perfect pitch. He's trying to take the pitch he got and put it somewhere in the grass. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all he's trying to do. And if you want like a comp on him, wow, I am stunned by how good we expect him to be slugging right now. Goodness, 483. That's the expected slug from uh from wow. pitcher list. It, the ex Babbitt isn't very good, weirdly, but well, it's not far uh, off, by the way. It's not far off from uh regular stack has 477. Yeah, either way, like the both yeah, both those yeah. numbers surprise me because he's yeah. but but to get to that number, it's not going to be because he's hitting a ton of home runs. Although this season, I mean, he could hit, I think, 15. Sure. Right? He has nine uh, already. Yeah, Six he's got nine, al- nine <laughs> already. So even if you expect him to sort of come back towards the home run rates he showed in years past, uh, he still could get to 15. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually there's upside at maybe 20, right? I, I think expect so. it. I yeah. Think so. Yeah. yeah, just remember, I mean, he is a catcher who is going to get days off. This is a guy who, I mean, he is behind the plate for them a lot. Mm-hmm. I love Keeper Ruiz in points leagues mm-hmm. because this is the exact profile I want from a points league guy, especially a catcher. He hits towards the middle slash top of the lineup. He puts everything in play. He doesn't strike out, right? And in points leagues, walks can be good, but walks Absolutely. are never good as hits, mm-hmm. right? A walk is never as good as a hit. Cool. At cool. best... I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't say a walk is never better than a hit. There are situations where a walk is as good as a hit. Base is empty. It's as good as a single in most point leagues. Not all, but in most. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's that's where it stops because you almost never get an RBI from a walk. And if you did get an RBI from a walk, a hit would have been better, right? Mm-hmm. Because then you have a chance to get two because you can never get two RBI from one walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might score a run, but they're going to have to get you all the way around the bases or is with a hit, you could end up on second. Might An be. error could get you. I mean, there's other ways, you know. So basically, a walk is limited, but he doesn't walk. So you don't worry about that. <laughs> it's not a good offense, but it's a scrappy offense. I'll say mm-hmm. this. Those of you that do, you know, a lot of folks, you know, stream pitchers, all these kinds of things. And Washington is this one that when you look at it, you're like, oh, great, a matchup with Washington. But they're actually a, a scrappy, annoying offense mm-hmm. uh, because they, they just, as a team, they don't strike out a lot. Right. I mean, you look at Keeper Ruiz, you look at Lane Thomas, uh, even they're like the even some of the worst hitters in that lineup just don't strike out a ton. Uh, so they strike out like less than 20 percent of the time as a team. It makes them really tough to scream against. And part of it is because of guys like Keeper Ruiz. I think that he is a you know, the ceiling is kind of capped. And it, I sort of said I'd make a comp if I had to make a comp. It's what I hoped Alejandro Kirk could be this season. Right. And that's like 15 home runs, really good ratios. The ratios are bad right now. I think they will get better. I think Keeper Ruiz has a chance to be the type of catcher who you can stop streaming. Right. You mm-hmm. can just keep your catcher. That's not what he's been so far, but I think he can get there. Right. Uh, and it's just a matter of, I mean, a lot of it is luck. When you, you know, I love using expected stats as a barometer for what did happen because to me, it's one of the best, one of the things that they are best at is telling you if a guy has been lucky or unlucky. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not the whole story because, but, but like when we talk, you know, I use the example of Patrick Bailey, another catcher who's had awesome X stats. He has not been lucky in the sense that he's hitting a bunch of line drives and they should have been hits. He's been lucky that so many of those have been line drives. A lot of those will turn to fly balls, right? Another Mm -hmm. player we saw that happen with is Matt McClain. Although Matt McClain has enough power that because those line drives are turning to fly balls, they can also leave the park. And we've seen Matt McLean hit a lot more home runs. It's because he's getting the ball up now. You know, he's mm-hmm. finally getting under a couple of those pitches. He was driving them as line drives. Now they're going up in the air. Uh, that's not what Keeper Ruiz is going to do. Keeper Ruiz is going to be a guy who continues to hit line drives, and he's going to get plenty of hits. Those are going to find grass. I think he can be a 260, 270 hitter uh, rest of the way. I mean, that's a very road, like projections won't have him that high. I think he can do that. Uh, I think the slug will be good but not because of home runs necessarily but i think he can slug in like the you know the medium fours like somewhere mm-hmm. between like 430 450 and that i mean that's a pretty darn good catcher he's always yeah. going to you know he's going to play as often or more than most other catchers he's and, young so he yeah. might play a little bit more than the three or four uh games that a typical catcher might but better yeah yeah i mean he got to 112 games last year i think he can be better than that this season mm-hmm. 
And again, he's already at a career high in home runs <laughs> with mm-hmm, nine. Mm-hmm. He had seven in 2022. So, I mean, the, the pieces are all kind of there to be a very good fantasy catcher. I think that if you've been streaming, this is a good time to sort of scoop him up. He is out there in a lot of leagues, not all of them, obviously, mm-hmm. but uh, he is out there in a lot of leagues. I like him better rest of season than say Patrick Bailey, Elias Diaz, uh, not not Yanni or Diaz. I, I'm I'm a little more on Yanni or Diaz right now. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, other you know, I'm just kind of looking at catchers that are maybe uh, that are rostered in a lot of uh, in some leagues. I'd probably put him in that same. He's not in that same tier on the hitter list right now, but I'd put him in that same vein of Henry Davis. Henry Davis. You know, we talked about him last week too. He gets to play the outfield every day. That's the advantage for Henry Davis. And and Henry Davis has more of a ceiling because he's got more power, mm-hmm. but. Ruiz has a higher floor and he, again, he is someone I'd take, you know, in, in that kind of range, I'd probably prefer Henry Davis, but if Henry Davis is gone, I'd say keeper Ruiz is probably my very next pick. Uh, I, I'd be fine dropping. Let me just go through some names. I'd be more than fine dropping to get keeper Ruiz. Uh, if you've been tired of Francisco Alvarez and you don't want to ride that ride anymore, uh, go yeah. ahead. I'm fine we'll with that. Single catch release later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Obviously Alejandro Kirk, I actually like Ruiz more than I like Kirk. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I do that. I drop Gary Sanchez for him. Um, oh, yeah. in a single catcher, uh, league, I I'm probably pretty tired of MJ Melendez. Uh, he's mm-hmm. become nothing more than pure volume. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I keep getting asked if someone should drop Dalton Varsho and the answer is always no. So mm-hmm. for the few of you that have not heard me say it yet, no, mm-hmm. don't drop Dalton Varsho. Is um, it the stolen bases that, that, uh, make well, you say and just, no? And just ceiling. His mm-hmm. ceiling is so much higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, than, than the other guys. Uh, you know, another guy who's similar to Kiebert Ruiz, but I like Kiebert Ruiz more, is Gabriel Moreno. Uh, Moreno, another guy, slaps the ball a lot, um, puts everything in play. And, you know, as far as, you know, a young guy, if you want to go ceiling, I think ceiling is bow nailer, but the floor for Ruiz, I think, is just so much higher that mm-hmm. if you're ty- if you're in a you know a transaction limited league or something like that absolutely uh keeper ruiz is rostered about half of the sbn leagues so you know he might not be out there for everyone but for the ones he is out there i'd go ahead and go get him I, yeah i think all those names uh kirk and sanchez melendez um i don't know about wilson contreras yet i'm kind of on the borderline there maybe maybe mm. for wilson contreras wow yeah, he's he's looked upon as a guy that really is going to make a comeback. I hope so. You know, yeah. you know um, I I was t- I was talking to uh, uh uh her name's Sarah. She's with um Bleed Cubby Blue. And Sarah she's, Sanchez, right? Yeah, Sanchez. Yes. I I had, it was to my so uh, she's okay. and she's That's really why, smart. That's why we're here together. Yeah, you know. <laughs> she's she's really really bright. If you get oh, a she chance knows to, her stuff. Yeah, yeah, if you get a chance to listen to her, interact with her, you should. Mm-hmm. I remember talking to her at first pitch Arizona. And what she was talking about with Wilson Contreras is that he was in their development system since he was like seventeen years old with the Cubs. Uh, he, I mean, everything he knew was Chicago Cubs. He had mm-hmm. never experienced anything else. And sure, he stayed in the same division, but there's a, it, and as much of a veteran as he is, he still only worked for one company his whole career, right? right? If you worked at one company your whole career, and then, you know, for us, Go regular working, with the enemy. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, so, that's what yeah, but, but like it's, you know, I've worked at a bank for quite a while. And I know mm-hmm. if I go to another bank, I can be a good performer. But mm-hmm. I have a lot to learn because just the way they do things, the mm-hmm. way they coach me, the way they, uh, you know, the positions they put me in, they're just different. Mm-hmm. Right. And 
I'm also moving, right? So imagine you've been working with the same company for, you know, yeah. for our, in our in our world to be like 20 years. Then all of a sudden you pick up, you move uh, to a company that you're familiar with, but it's not quite the same. You got to learn the new systems. You got to get all your new logins. You got to do all this How stuff. How about this? How about this? That, that the Cardinals and they're, I don't know, they've been very wacky this year. They decide, you know what? We don't think he's a catcher anymore. Remember that they did that for like a week. <laughs> then, I mean, this is a guy that's been a catcher, a, a, a good catcher for his entire career, and then all of a sudden, like you said, he, first of all, he's going through all these adjustments and, and learning to, you know, the, the St. Louis Cardinal way, and then all of a sudden they say, you know what? I know that we signed you to be a catcher, but we don't really think you're a catcher anymore. Uh, you're going to DH, and then it's like a uh, guy's head must have been spinning. Yeah, like what? So if we're going to talk about like the human element, I mean, that's yeah. that's a big part of it. So yeah, sure uh, it is. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. I, I think most projection systems are going to want Wilson Contreras over mm-hmm. Kieber Ruiz. However, um, I think it'd be a really interesting trade offer if you mm-hmm. wanted to maybe uh, secure the floor. It's weird to say that I think Kieber Ruiz has a better floor than Wilson Contreras, but I think he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, no one in a dynasty league would do that, but in a redraft league, I think that's a very interesting move. And especially if you've, I mean, it's hard to get better in ratios in Roto right now, but if you've been struggling maybe a little with with ratios and just counting stats in general, um, and, and you want to try something new, I I bet... Uh, the Akibert Ruiz manager would consider Wilson Contreras for sure, because the projections are going to tell them they should do that. But one of the ways to get ahead in fantasy baseball, of course, is to find the places where you disagree with the projections. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Ruiz is a rookie who's not shown a lot of power in the past. So the projections are going to pull him down a little for that. Uh, mm-hmm. But he is hitting the ball better this year. We know that the expected stats uh, are, are telling us that Ruiz should have much better numbers than he does. They're not quite, you know, again, they're not super predictive, but those numbers do tell us that if he keeps doing what he's doing, better results will come. Mm-hmm. So, and there's no reason to expect Kiebert Ruiz to stop doing what he's doing. Right. Right. I mean, that's the other thing. Cause you know, I say it again, Patrick Bailey, good example. If he keeps doing what he's doing, he will continue to get good results. However, people don't hit line drives like that. Right. Outside of like Freddie Freeman. Mm. Okay. So, I don't expect Patrick Bailey to keep doing what he's been doing. Therefore, I don't use the expected stats to look forward. Mm-hmm. Keeper Ruiz, I do expect he's doing the stuff that I thought he'd be doing. And the expected stats tell me the results are good. Therefore, will they? Will he be quite that good? Maybe not. Those are really nice numbers. But mm-hmm. I think that he can trend that direction because he can keep doing what he's doing. And to me, that's that's the way to use expected stats, right? Say, can they keep doing what they're doing? Isak Paredes, another perfect example. The reason I like him better than a lot of projection models do is that our, our pitcher list expected stats say what he's been doing with these pulled balls say that he can continue to put up very good numbers because he's able to pull those fly balls. Now stat, uh, the stack has numbers on baseball savant say, Look, batted ball direction is noisy and league wide batted ball direction is noisy, but for specific players, it's not. So with Isaac Paredes, you say, if I think he can't continue to pull fly balls uh, more, you know, more often than he doesn't, right? I'm not saying he has to continue to do it at the ridiculous rate he's been doing it, but can he keep, you know, if you think he can continue to pull most of his fly balls, right? Like half of them, 40% Mm. of them, then 
you should be buying in on Isak Paredes because a bunch of people are going to be willing to trade him to you because the expected stats are not good, uh, especially the ones on Savant. But if you don't think Isak Paredes can continue to pull fly balls, then you should definitely be looking at those expected stats and being very concerned, right? Mm. The expected stats on like uh, on baseball Savant, which is going to more or less be agnostic to his batted ball direction. And if you think the batted ball direction is, is fluky, you should go to baseball savant, use those expected stats to think this is more likely to be what happens going forward. If he does, because he's not going to continue what he's doing. Hmm. But now that you have two sets of expected stats, you have this new weapon in your pocket, which is, I don't just look at the same numbers. Everyone else sees. I look at the two different numbers and say, okay, I've, I've now, got two sets of very descriptive things. One's a little more predictive. One's a little more descriptive. The more descriptive one, pitcher list, I say, if I think the player can continue with the batted ball direction profile they have, then I should use pitcher list as the basis for going forward, right? Mm -hmm. If you say the batted ball direction is totally noise, right? I should use StatCast going forward. And then in both cases, you say also, what's the line drive, fly ball, ground ball rate? Is it in line with career numbers or something really, really different? Here's a really good example of that too. Remember Yandy Diaz? Of course you do, because he's still alive. He's still playing. Yandy mm-hmm. Diaz has really fallen off the power wagon, mm-hmm. right? He's not hitting home runs. I actually, I'm not sure he has a home run in June or uh, that he did have one in June. Um, he's been sitting at 12 home runs basically forever, right? Uh, so he confirmed zero home runs and 105 played appearances in June. Right. And there's a good reason for that. Uh, well, good is the wrong word. Uh, there is an easy to understand reason for that. And that's basically he started the season hitting a bunch of balls in the air, right? 38% fly ball rate for Yandy Diaz to start the year. That is really, really high for him. Right. And he did it through May. And that's when mm-hmm. we started saying like, oh, this might be new, right? Uh, this is something that he's not really shown as he can do for any extended period of time. So we got very excited. And then in June, what happens? Those fly balls the ball on the ground. Again. Yeah. The, those fly <laughs> balls, like the, like literally almost, you know, 15 to 20% extra on the fly balls. They all reverted back to line drives and ground balls that mm. didn't hurt his batting average too much. Right. Cause fly balls actually don't help your batting average all that much because again, if they don't leave the yard, they're probably outs. <clears throat> but the problem for Yandy Diaz is that like, yeah, a bunch of them turned into line drives and that helps his batting average and stuff. That's great. But all the power is gone because it's only a, in June, a 16.9% fly ball rate. So when we were looking at the expected stats, they were telling us that Yandy Diaz was legit. What he was doing was real. And it was mm-hmm. because again, with that exit velocity, with that uh, launch angle, he got the results we expected. The, the thing you had to do at the time and that, you know, I, I, you know, I'm not saying I did it perfectly either because I eventually bought in was you had to think, but will he continue with that launch angle? Will he continue to get yes. balls in the mm-hmm. air? As of right now, the answer now looks like crap. Mm-hmm. No, right. Mm-hmm. He won't uh, because he's not. So you again, are what you if you are, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the expected stats for Yandy Diaz are of slightly limited value because we expect one of those variables to, if we expect one of those variables to stop working, then we're not going to try like the predictive value of expected stats is out the window, Mm -hmm. right? Because the predictive value only works if the inputs stay relatively the same, right? Which is why, again, the, the, the expected stats you'll see on fan graphs and on baseball savant 
are a little bit more predictive because you don't have to worry about one of the variables. You get to say, I don't care if he keeps up the same batted ball direction, right? I only care if he continues to get the ball in the air like this and hit it this hard. We knew Yandy Diaz was going to hit it this hard. We didn't know if he'd keep getting the ball in the air. If you thought he would, then the expected stats were telling you that it's about to be a very profitable season. If he didn't, you had to sort of wonder, okay, but then what will happen? Mm. right and it turns out he just kind of went back to normal and maybe he does find the fly ball thing again later on the season but until then he looks like the pretty good not outstanding fantasy first and third baseman that yandy diaz has kind of always been Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so before we uh head off to our our next break uh just go back to Contreras, wilson Contreras, and kiba ruiz and I think it's going to be pretty difficult to make a one-for-one trade because both of these guys are having subpar years so far, but both of them, and looking at the, the stat cast expected stats, you know, it's a rosy picture, you know, because you're looking at a 214 batting average for Wilson Contreras and a 264 expected batting average. The expected slug is almost 100 points over his 366 uh, current slug and the uh, the expected Woba is like 53 points over his current Woba. So what's going to happen is fantasy managers trading for either one of these guys is going to try to get a bargain and target another fantasy manager who doesn't look at expected stats. So the, 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 the person that is buying either uh, Ruiz or Contreras thinks that they're getting a deal because – they're getting a guy who's underperforming, but, you know, based on on expected stats, he's not as bad as his actual numbers, you know, show. So it's kind of interesting. For what it's worth, our mm-hmm. pitcher list expected stats are not quite so rosy on for, for Wilson Contreras. Contreras. Wilson? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so so not, not so rosy. Uh, they think he's been unlucky, but the expected batting average on pitcher list is 235. Wow. Uh, and the expected well, that's, slug that's is big. 404. That's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is kind of weird because he's. it's not as though, so normally I'd expect that's because like something else is going on, but mm-hmm. I'm guessing without having dug into it uh, a little more, I'm guessing it's because a lot of the fly balls are going to the wrong parts of the ballpark. Mm. Uh, so he's... You know, Contreras is kind of hitting, he's sort of spraying the ball to all directions, kind of the same rate. Historically, he's been more of a pull hitter. So if he does start pulling the ball more, I would expect the numbers to be a little bit more in line with what StatCast is saying. Uh, mm-hmm. So basically, if he reverts to what he's been in years past, I would say the baseball savant numbers, the ones you see on fan graphs, baseball savant, those ones are more likely to be an example of what it is going forward. If you think he's going to continue to hit the ball to all fields equally, then actually the, the numbers on pitcher list are going to be a better barometer of, or a better sort of gauge of what to expect going forward. Because when you're hitting sort of, you know, these, these sort of average hits kind of all around the field, it's just not, it's not as good as again, pulling the ball a little more because when you're hitting the ball in the air, you want it to go pull. Mm-hmm. In every situation, uh, because you're going to be able to get more power on it. And in most cases, it's the most direct path to getting over the fence. Mm-hmm. Not every case, but for Contreras, it it should pretty much always be pull because he's not right. a Red Sox. Right, right. <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll take a quick break here. Uh, when we come back, we'll uh, talk uh, about a few players 
of interest off of the hitter list. Uh, we'll talk uh, Julio Rodriguez, uh, Xander Bogarts. Also want to get uh, your take, Scott, on uh, Jordan Westberg. Uh, we'll talk about them right after this. All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Joe Galina here. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Galina, J-O-E-G-A-L-L-I-N-A. You can follow my buddy Scott Chu at If the Chu Fits. And uh, Scott, you put out the hitter list. It comes out every Wednesday. I love reading it. And uh, let's talk about some of the players on on the uh, hitter list that caught my eye. Um, Julio Rodriguez, first round pick in a majority of uh, preseason drafts. Uh, down nine spots. Looks like he's uh, experiencing some growing pains. Batting 184 against off-speed stuff this season after hitting 250 against them last season. Barrel rate is down about five percent. Not having a terrible sophomore season, but uh, 13 homers, 4, 43 RBI, and a 243 batting average. Uh, that's not first-round value. It is not. So I, I think both of us and probably everybody can preface everything by saying long term we still expect this to be one of the better hitters in baseball sure yes, right I, I, that's actually too soft he's going <laughs> to be we think a top 10 to top 15 hitter uh you know for the rest of his career based on what we've seen so far this mm-hmm. is a hot i mean top notch sort of talent coming in but the power hasn't quite been there this season um, he actually sort of is on pace to have similar home run totals uh, compared mm-hmm. to last season. He hit 28 home runs last season. He's at 13 right now through 79 games. If you double it, that gets you to about 25. He's actually, of course, he's running and stealing much, much more, right? He's got 19 stolen bases so far. If, you know, if he continues to run at the rate he has, he's going to threaten 40, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, 25 home runs, 40 stolen bases, not a guy you want, you're complaining about necessarily. Right. Uh, but we are seeing the, the batting average, uh, and the ratios really take a tumble, right? He's, Mm -hmm. he's lost almost 40 points of batting average, 40 points of OBP. Uh, and you know, and the reason that those have the same exact drop is because he's walking at almost exactly the same rate. He's striking out at a very similar rate. I think a lot of us expected Julio Rodriguez to have uh, an improvement in the strikeout rate because he did improve as last season went on, but it looks like he sort of leveled out Mm -hmm. around this sort of 25, 26%. He's in the ball in the air about as much as he did before. Uh, The slugging's way, way down simply because of quality of contact, right? Uh, What's kind of interesting is that on the expected stat side, at least from a pitcher list perspective, um, they're basically the same. Right. So last season, it was an expected 235. This season, it's an expected 249 hmm. uh, in terms of expected batting average. Expected Woba last season, 325. This season, 324. Right. Uh, so not much of a sophomore slump, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, with with Julio Rodriguez, I think just I, I again, it, it's hard to go into every single little detail about how this is happening. But functionally, it kind of looks like he he's simply not. I mean, he's. He's not quite barreling the ball, but barrel rate isn't the only number you kind of want to look at. Uh, basically, the he had he was better last season at making solid contact as well as hitting more barrels, right? Because if you only look at barrels, you're like three percent barrel rate. That shouldn't make this big of a difference, and it doesn't, right? It's that he was you know about three percent better with barrels. He was like 
two and a half percent better at solid contact. Right. And those have mm-hmm. all kind of turned to, to what call, what we call like flares and burners. Right. So a flare is a, a ball hitting the shallow outfield. A burner is a really hard ground ball. Right. So like the hard contact's the same. It's not high, uh, but it's roughly the same. The problem is, is that the quality has dipped just by a bit. Right. So stuff that used to be a hard hit, um, you know, like a basically a solid contact is functionally the the a barrel that's just off on one of the launch angle or the exit velocity right so we call mm-hmm. it solid contact because you know the it it was 94 miles an hour right and it, it met every other criteria for a barrel but it was 94 miles an hour so we call mm-hmm. that solid right, right? <laughs> uh, because we have these hard somewhat arbitrary cutoffs um so when you put those two numbers together last season it was 20 just about 20 percent well sorry 20 uh 21.2 percent of the time he was either barreling it up or making solid contact this year that number's down to about 16.2 percent so when you put those together that's where you see this big drop in his batted ball profile right so you're like man the results aren't there it's because he went from 20 you know a little over 21 percent of solid and barrel to like seven you know to 16 percent right? Mm-hmm. 16.2. That's a fairly significant drop, right? So, so when that happens, you start going like, Oh, now I get it right now. I see why everything else can mostly be the same, but instead of like having all these ones that were either barrels or almost barrels, those have now turned into flares and burners, which are sort of the same concept in which maybe it's hit at a good launch angle or it's hit at a really good exit velocity, but the other variable is now way off, right? Mm hit it real hard at a zero degree launch angle, right? That's not close to a barrel or uh, hit a great launch angle, right? Like a, you know, random number, like a 20%. That's great. But he didn't hit it very hard, right? He only hit it 80 miles an hour. So now it's like, it might drop in front of the left fielder or it might not, Hmm. right? It might land in the glove. So that's really been the change. And the difference between all those like barrel solid and flares and burners in terms of like where they are on the bat it's millimeters, man. It, I mean, it yeah. is, it is small amount different on the bat. So that's, I mean, that's really what's happening to Jose Ramirez. And when I, you know, I say all that, I make it sound like it's so bad. No, that's exactly what I want the problem to be for, uh, for Julio Rodriguez. Julio Rodriguez, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that means he's almost there. I mean, he's almost, I'm not asking him to strike out a bunch less. I'm not asking him to walk. I'm not even asking him to change his approach. Like maybe be a little bit more selective with pitches uh, because, you know, by doing that, you can find better pitches to hit, but like he's so close. Right. And there's still a lot of production there. Right. Uh, again, if things continue at their current pace, he'll get close to 90 RBI. He'll get close to hundred runs scored. He'll get close to 40 stolen bases and he'll get close to 25 home runs. Those are all amazing numbers. Even if the ratios end up being like sort of subpar, you still get, you know, good production kind of across the board. And you know that he's so close, so close to also doing like to also just improving all of that. Right. Mm-hmm. He's, he's always been able to adapt Uh, As he went up through the minor leagues, I think he'll be able to make this adjustment too. It's just a matter of can he do it this season and how soon will it be? Right. All right. Good stuff. Uh, Like you said, I I believe in him uh, and so do you. So uh, definitely going to be one of the bright 
stars and fantasy and just regular baseball for years to come. But uh, uh, let's talk uh, Xander Bogarts down 18 slots on the hitter list. Shortstop for the Padres, obviously a long-term shortstop for the Red Sox. This is his first year in San Diego. Um, basically just looks like an average short offensively, uh, just an average shortstop, right? A third straight year of hard hit rate and launch angle decline. It's actually four years of hard hit rate decline per fan, fan graphs. Uh, three uh, years of hard hit rate decline. If you look at the StatCast uh, version of hard hit rate uh, right now, career high ground ball rate. Um, and, you know, that's obviously affecting, you know, his power numbers, uh, batting 255 in his first 77 games uh, with a 383 slug. And this is a guy with a, a career in 11 years, 290 batting average and 454 slugs, Scott. Yeah, and last season, the ratios were all there. The home runs kind of weren't. The problem is at StatCast, at least uh, the expected stats we get, over at pitcher list say last season, he was kind of a fraud, right? Hit 307. We thought he should have hit 256. And again, expected stats, especially ours, very, very descriptive, right? Very good at telling us what should have probably happened. And, you know, our model was not impressed, right? And it's still not impressed, right? Last season, it thought the expected batting average was 256. This year, it thinks it should be 248, right? Pretty close to what he's actually doing. Both seasons, uh, 2022 and 2023, pitcher list expected slugging for Xander Bogertz, 401. Exact same number. Mm -hmm. Uh, Expected WOBA, 322 and 324 for Xander Bogertz, right? So basically... It's saying, you know, last season, the ratios were in line with history. Expected stats were not. This season, uh, numbers and expected stats are sort of offline with history, but in line, at least on the expected stat side, with what we thought we saw last year. That, to me, is the real concern. It's So basically, our model thinks he is the same hitter that he was last season, only without the luck, mm-hmm. right? Um, So last season... He had a BABIP, uh, Xander Bogarts had a BABIP of 362. He had an expected BABIP of 297, Hmm. right? This, so that, I mean, that's, we're talking almost 60 points different, Mm -hmm. right? Well, more than 60 points, almost 70 points different, right? So there, and, you know, so you lob 50 something percent or 50 points off the batting average. And what do you get? You get what he's been this season, right? So. You know, Xander Bogarts, it, it's very concerning to me that the expected stats are very similar uh, to what they were last season. And now the results match those expected stats. So I, I don't have a lot of like happy, warm things to say. I mean, he's been hitting the ball a little bit better lately, I guess. The It's not as though he's striking out more uh, or walking less. He's doing both of those at about the same rate. He just doesn't hit it as hard, right? And we talked, uh, We I mean, we just talked about flares and burners and and barrels and all that stuff. Um, When you look at, excuse me, when you look at Xander Bogertz, I mean, again, it's a lot of stuff that's just like not very exciting. So last season and this season, that barrel rate, you know, he had a 9% barrel rate and then it was 6.1 in 2022 and 7% this season. So down like 2% from 2021. Uh, And that's, and like the solid, like the solid contact. So almost a barrel that was 6.2%. That's now down to 4.3% in 2023. So there's another two points there mm. all of a sudden, uh, but also there's one more thing that's worse, right? Because flares and burners, the one where they get like basically half the barrel equation, right. And half of it very wrong. 
that's way down, right? Last season, 28.1%. The year before, 25.4%. This season, 20.4%. They've all turned to, they've all turned into what we call, uh, a lot of them have turned into top, you know, we, we call it topped, right? Topped mm-hmm. means uh, you hit the top of the ball with the bat, which means you hit it right into the ground. A topped ball would be one with a negative launch angle. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's he's not hitting it as hard. He's hitting it down into the ground a lot more and basically all of the good types of batted balls basically we consider flares and burners solid you know solid contact and barrels to be good batted balls right uh that's way down we actually have a stat for this called ideal plate appearance um that we just had an article come out about it too if you want to read it it's it's pretty good just talking about like what is an ideal plate appearance but basically that number is way down so it's down to 20 uh 22.1 percent that's 17th percentile in baseball like the barrel rate is fine. Everything else is bad, <laughs> right? So he's uh, he's hitting way too much stuff with a negative launch angle. He's not hitting anything quite, you know, he's not hitting anything really that good. Ideal plate appearance is now down to 17th percentile in baseball. He was never a guy that hit it that hard in the first place. Um, so I'm just, um, I'm not saying I'm declaring independence, but I now view him as a very average to back end starting shortstop who maybe this season finishes with like 15 to 15 to 18 home runs, 15 to 18 stolen bases. He does have a career, uh, a career high uh, of sorts in stolen, uh, maybe not a career high, but Xander Bogarts has stolen more bases this season than he has at least since 2018. Mm. Right. So stealing a lot based on the new, you know? uh, Yeah. 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 So, so he's running more and Mm -hmm. that's cool. Right. But like, 15 home, you know, 15 to 20 home runs, 15 to 20 stolen bases. Uh, and actually I, I would say more, it's, it's more like 15 to 17 home runs, 15 to 17 stolen bases uh, with fine ish ratios. Mm-hmm. Like what, what am I supposed to be excited about? Yeah. Right? Especially with the depth of the position too. Yeah. I mean, uh, and that's, I'm glad you mentioned it. That's the other big piece. It's like shortstop is super deep. Mm-hmm. This was supposed to be that like anchor, like the last of the yeah. good ones. Mm-hmm. And now he's more like, one of the next ones mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. you know like he to me in my mind I, I can't tell you if that's exactly where he is i mean i think they're a little bit further apart on the hitter list but like you should have the same feelings that you have about dansby swanson hmm. a guy who will play every day but is not like that's not a league winner this season that's just a guy that if you can upgrade you will but it's it's also going to be tough to find guys who come off the wire who are quite who who have anything close to that floor? Yeah, I almost want Dansby Swanson a little bit more than I want Sander Bogarts, even though you know. I mean, it feels like Dansby at... Swanson has a higher ceiling now, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it that's does. scary. Yeah. Just, these are <laughs> these are these are trying times, Joe. These are trying times. <laughs> uh, should we talk uh, one uh, last player, and then we'll get to Jordan Westberg quickly, or we could talk about him next week? But I wanted to talk about. Francisco Alvarez, catcher for the Mets, who uh, tumbled 41 slots on your hitter list. And uh, unfortunately for the Mets, they're just having a terrible time of it. Uh, You know, a team that won 101 games uh, last season. And I know a lot of Mets fans, and I really feel bad for them. I do. Um, Their Mets are 37 to 46, 18 and a half games out of first place as we enter Sunday, July 2nd. You, you know, 13 home runs, the 27 RBI a little low, but the the home runs are impressive, batting 217 overall. Uh, over the past month, batting 159. 
uh, with a 391 slug, uh, having real problems hitting left-handed pitching in 56 plate appearances, batting 113, uh, much better against righty uh, pitching, 260 batting average in 142 plate appearances. Um, you know, what do you see in Alvarez uh, cause him to tumble so much? So a couple things. One of the things that got him to move up the list uh, quite a bit in the first place was he had, you know, he he'd heated up a bit in May uh, and then again in sort of early June. And at that time, they moved him up to second in the batting order for like a week. Mm-hmm. Right. That was very exciting to me. Right. He was D- They were having him DH a couple times. Playing time was up. Opportunity was up. He was up in the lineup. And then it all went to heck. Right. Mm-hmm. Like they just basically they they decided like, you know what? Never. He did not perform. You know, he he performed OK uh, when he got moved to the two hole at first and then it kind of like fell off. So they moved him back down uh, to sixth and now he's down to like eighth. Mm. Right. Uh, sometimes ninth. He's no longer. Uh, he DH two different games. Right. Uh, where I was like, whoa, they're going to let him DH when he's not catching. Well, they stopped doing that. Mm. Um, in it, in not only did they take him out of the two hole, they stopped doing that. I gave it another week or two to see if he could kind of rebound, but instead he just kept striking out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from there, right. It's like, well, okay, then I, I can't hold him in this spot on the list. Do I think the upside's there? Absolutely. He has elite power for this position. Sure. Uh, he's a guy who, you know, would it be that surprising if in, you know, one or two seasons, we talk about him as potentially touching 30 home runs. No, like I don't Salvador, think Salvador Perez type. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, except I hope he walks more. Uh, mm-hmm. But because the, the Sal Perez formula is one that's very streaky and very hard to replicate. Uh, you mm-hmm. just have to have an elite, elite bat to ball skills for a very long time, um, which Salvador, Salvador Perez has done and very few other players have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I think that, you know, Francisco Alvarez probably gets to 20 home runs this season because they're just going to let him play, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's going to come with a lot of ups and downs. And so instead of, I, I had hoped that Francisco Alvarez with that new spot in the batting order uh, and the fact that he was going to DH at times, I thought that was going to get him above the streaming tier at catcher. Mm -hmm. And two weeks later, it's now clear that, that, that was a passing fancy that they did not want to commit to him being able to DH when he's not catching. They did not commit to him staying near the top of the order. And so they put him at the bottom and with that. So now you have streakiness and a reduced ability to get counting stats. Even when he does hit home runs, that's going to pull you way down. I do think the walk rate can improve right now. It's 6.1% in the minors. It was always much, much higher. Mm -hmm. So I think he will get some of those walks back. I think the strikeout rate is, been up and down. I think as long as it stays in this like 25 to 28% range, which it has for this season, uh, I think that'll make it fine. I think there's a very good long-term catcher here. I think this season he's going to be, it it feels like he's probably going to be staying in terms, like in terms of the upside streamer kind of guy, as opposed Mm. to one that you want to just lock in. Right. Yeah. I listened to uh, New York sports radio, uh, you know, call-in shows here and there, and uh, just Met fans are up in arms, and, you know, who could blame them with the way the team is, you know, playing, and you know, they want Buck Showalter fired, they want Epler, the GM, fired, and, you know, then I talk to Met fans, and they're like, well, you know, Epler is going to be uh, the guy who gets us uh, to sign Otani, because he has that relationship with him, because he used to work for the Los Angeles Angels. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, some of the theories that, <laughs> that Met fans uh, that call into these radio shows are, are talking about, the, the, they're saying uh, there was one call 
that talked about a fractured clubhouse because Francisco Lindor had promised to buy Jeff McNeil a car if he won the batting title last year. And, of course, McNeil did win the batting title, but then Lindor welched on the bet. <laughs> so they're saying that the the uh, you know the, the clubhouse is, is fractured, but it's a it's I, I do feel for uh, for Met fans, you know, uh, but before we leave, just, uh, you know, Jordan Westberg debuts at, at number 132. Uh, the second he's eligible at second and third base for obviously for the Orioles got called up uh, very recently. Uh, he's got good power in his pedigree so far playing every day. Uh, you know, we've only got you know, 18 plate appearances to judge him by, but uh, uh, 313 batting average. And like I said, has some power uh, in the minor leagues. Uh, we'll talk about him more in coming weeks, but uh, any uh, initial uh, take on your part for Jordan Westberg? Yeah. So again, um, I, I'm not, I'm not really thinking there's, there's not really much speed here, not enough speed for you to care about anyway. I, I mm-hmm. liked that the power stayed, uh, in 2022, when he got to the higher levels, I loved that the strikeout rate went down in 2022 and 2023 in the higher levels and that it's down right now. So uh, I'm going to keep an eye on that, but it looks like the, the plate discipline piece should be pretty darn good. The mm-hmm. next piece I want to see, obviously he's hitting, he's hitting quite well right now in terms of getting the ball uh, you know, getting the ball, getting the bat on the ball, getting the ball into the field of play. That's been pretty good. However, it has mostly been grounders and line drives. He's not really getting a lot in the air quite yet. Hmm. So I do want to see that. Obviously it's so early. It's way too early to really take any conclusions from his batted ball profile in terms of like uh launch angle and, and pull or oppo, those kinds of things. But that's right. what I want to see in the minors. He was able to get the ball in the air. Uh, so, you know, I think as long as he keeps that ground ball rate in, you know, the, the forties or so, he should be able to get enough fly balls to really get that power to play. And by doing that, I think he can be, he can be a use, a very useful fantasy player. So if he were to, it's hard to like project what a guy's going to do for like the rest of the season. Right. Because I don't even know how many more games he's going to play necessarily. Right. I, I think that projections are the projections right now aren't super impressed with Jordan, like they're not super impressed with Jordan Westberg. They're based almost entirely on his minor league uh, track record. And I'm not sure. I mean, they're going to give a lot of weight to what he's done in each of the last two seasons. Uh, but man, if he can, if he can keep that strikeout rate below like 25% and mm-hmm. continue to just keep getting the bat on the ball, get the ball in the air. I think that there is a, a useful and relevant middle infielder here. Well, middle and corner, maybe he's already played three games at second and three games at third. I think that there is a chance for him to be someone that's rostered in more 12 team leagues than he isn't right. Mm -hmm. He's absolutely, he was absolutely worth the flyer. If he's still out there in your league and you need a middle or corner infield, I think it, I mean, he starts out, I think with middle infield eligibility. So, you know, that's, you know, if you need one, go ahead and get him. I'm not, I'm not like cutting Xander Bogarts to get him quite Mm -hmm. yet. Because the floor for Westberg is much, 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 much lower, right? This is not a top, I mean, at least coming into the season, this wasn't really a top 100 prospect. I think some people might have started putting him there as he continued to perform well in AAA uh, this last season. But, you know, I'd say this is a guy who I think long term, we could be looking at like a 20 to, I mean, 20, maybe 20 to 25 home run hitter. Uh, mm-hmm. If he plays a, a full season, I know that feels light when you look at like 158 games in AAA over the last two seasons and he hit like 36 of them. Um, but of course, the minor leagues just 
play a little better for power, different pitching, things like that. So I think that he could be a 20 to 25 home run type guy, uh, which means for the rest of the season, like it'd be awesome if he got like seven to 10 of them. Uh, I I'd say seven far more likely than the 10. Uh, Yeah. Projection models say he's going to be playing somewhere in the low forties in games for the rest yeah, of the season. And, I think and that's you know, the thing that I think makes the projections six, uh, home runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the thing that makes the projections a little bit weak because they have him playing in like a little more than half of the remaining games. Mm-hmm. And if you think that he can earn that spot and keep it all the way, that's how you say, I think he'll be better than this projection. Right. right. So add like 50% to those totals because while he will, you know, while theoretically he'll play more, it also means that he may also experience slump. So you don't want to just like, almost double it because we'll get more time Mm -hmm. um because like the more time he's there the more times other pitchers will have a chance to adapt to him so you try to like hedge a little bit there but yeah Mm -hmm. if you add like 50 to 75 percent to those totals uh that's where you get the rosy projection of like oh i don't know seven eight more home runs um Mm -hmm. and you know a handful of stolen bases who cares and maybe the ratios can be a little bit better uh than than they project simply because uh because you know, hey, luck. No, because, um, because they are, because that batting average really came up over the last two seasons, and in 2021 and 2022, it was really down because of the strikeouts. I think he can be better at the strikeouts, which means I think he could be better with the ratios. Hmm. All right, all right. I think uh, that should slam the lid on things for this episode. Uh, great analysis from you, Scott. And uh, you could follow my buddy Scott at If the Chew Fits. You could follow me at Joe Galina. I want everybody to have a very happy 4th of July celebration. Be safe out there. And, uh, hey, you know, pay attention to your fantasy teams. And we'll talk about this in the coming weeks. But you you have some people that are already focusing, starting to turn their focus to fantasy football. So this is your time to shine. So uh, and uh, as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. And we'll see you next time. 